Fake Spike podcast, an unexpectedly happy review, happy review. Got a lot to talk about for this one, Fort, but uh, I wow, <laughs> I know. I will start by saying that my Mike White prediction was way off, um, but Just my slightly. Michael, it was it was close, but and my Michael Carter prediction was not too bad, and you. And I went back and listened to the podcast today. You had at the end of it said, "Can you imagine if Mike White has a good game? What the Jet fans will be doing on Monday?" And you freaking hit it on the head. Not only did he have a good game, he had an all-time game. And th- we'll get into the people, all the Jet fans, going absolutely crazy. But uh, yeah, this was this was this was a good one, man. This was a great game. And unlike the Titans game, where you know the Jets were crappy for most of the game and had and had a good quarter and a half this one they were they were solid except for one little lull in the middle the jets were solid all the way through it he looked like a real nfl team with a clicking offense it was it was something to behold this is utter madness so let me first tell you and our listener uh what you're working (laughs) with as far as discussing the game uh like a good daddy i had to take my little boys out trick-or-treating uh, like a smart daddy, I found a trick or treat on the bar. So, <laughs> so we got there right for the kickoff. Uh, my wife was with me. They're outside collecting candy. I watched the first drive. I'm seeing uh, so all the good things. I don't want to go into detail. So I saw the first drive. I got all excited. Then I went outside to play with the uh, with the boys. I'm trying to follow on my phone. Uh, video cuts in and out. I follow the box score. Next thing I know, I check Mike White's stats. He, the, the two incompletions are two interceptions. I'm like, oh, okay, okay, good. Uh, nice, the, uh, nice to have the first drive. Totally forgot about the game. We're eating, having a good old time. I'm scrolling through the scores. I see the Jets are losing, but they're kind of not going away. Then by the time we order food and sit down in the bars, the start of the fourth quarter, we wrapped it up. I got home and watched the last four minutes of the game. All the excitement, the hair on my Hands was just standing. I was my palms were sweating, and then after the game, I went back and I rewatched the highlights. So there's a good chunk of the game that I missed. I actually saw those interceptions. Can't really call them interceptions. I'll call them wide receiver assists to the defensive backs. So much to digest. Let's. Uh, I mean, let's start trying to break it down. But uh, just wanted you to know that there were chunks of the game that I missed. I want to leave the quarterback play for last because there's going to be a ton to discuss there. And the first thing that I want to chime in on, uh, the first thing that I'm going to put out there is Michael Carter. I told you during the last podcast, let's identify, let's try to identify somebody who has the potential and let's get the ball in their hands as playmakers. This to me showed enough. I want to see the ball in this guy's hands. Michael Carter, 15 carries for 77 yards and a touchdown. That's 5.1 yards a carry. And nine catches for 95 yards out of the backfield. Same thing for Ty Johnson. Only had four carries for 15 yards, five receptions for 71, and a touchdown. I loved it. Where was this play calling before, or was it just the execution? And Zach Wilson was not taking what defense was giving him. But... Everything about this I loved. And Michael Carter in this one game, three hours on this Sunday on Halloween, showed me I'm excited about him. Now let's continue giving him the ball. Whether it's out of the backfield, I do not care. 15 carries for 77 yards. uh, 15 carries for 77. And he's getting nine catches out of the backfield. 
that's what I call getting touches to a playmaker. And he produced. Uh, we got Elijah Moore involved. He had only one carry for four yards, six for 67. That's 11. Uh, there wasn't that big eye-opening catch. The forgotten man, uh, Mims, got a couple of catches. Jamison Crowder was Dropped his own reliable. Yep. Uh, tight ends were catching a couple of passes. I, I didn't even know they had tight ends on the roster, but yeah, apparently Griffin we did. An hour, yeah. <laughs> and our quarterback found him. And uh, Crowder, was uh, he coughed up a fumble, but he was his old reliable self. Uh, one thing I want to give credit to, that's our head coach. When they made that stop on the first drive, that goal line stop, you could see the, the guy was so invested. Like you could see the stress yeah. pouring out of him. He was he was just he was just one of the guys. He was so amped up for this game, and uh, wow, just so much positivity. I'm gonna leave the, I'm gonna leave all my comments on the quarterback for a separate topic, which we'll cover. But talk to me about the play calling, about the offense, the defense. What stood out to you? What shocked you? I, I'm just dying to hear kind of there's, your thoughts on the there's game. There's so much. There's so much that shocked me, like good and bad. There, I mean, there wasn't a lot of bad, but there but there, there was some things here and there. Like at one point, White came out on fire, and then he threw those two interceptions. You know, I, I mean, one, one of them was totally not his fault. The other one, he threw the ball 600 miles an hour at, a, at the guy's helmet, <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> so that was it. Now, after those two interceptions, the offense started to – it's almost like the, the, the offensive coordinator went into a shell and started being conservative again. And at one point, I actually made a note that it looked like the, the Jets had, you know, gone through their scripted plays and actually executed on them for once. And I'm glad you brought that up because that's something we have to talk about. Um, and and then kind of hit a lull. And now once they got past the scripted plays, they were having trouble kind of being creative, you know, but that all turned around again. So there was a period and I, I don't know timing anymore. I don't remember if it was second quarter or whenever it was, but there was a period between the two interceptions because he was he 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 came out on fire. He was eleven first first eleven, and then threw the two interceptions on consecutive drives. And then the Jets' offense kind of stuttered a little, uh, stalled a little bit for a little while. And that was my thought at the time: was all right, this is progress. You know, they they got through the scripted plays looking good. You know, once they got past the ones they practiced all week, they don't look that good. And then you know, he just he just started looking great again. The thing is, is we can talk a little bit about the quarterback now. And the reason I want to talk about now, and we can talk about him and all the stuff that goes with it later, is you brought up a great point. I just touched on it, and I think we need to talk about it, is those first plays coming out of the start of the game. Did the Jets do anything different with the play calling, which they did, but or as you said, did this guy just take the checkdowns because they were there, as opposed to Wilson always trying to make something happen? So... Or was it that the, that the, the the offensive coordinator and the team in general, the offensive coordinator was was in the booth now. He wasn't on the sideline this time, so that could be something. He could have been. He could have actually been seeing things going on. Or maybe the Jets had nothing to lose after being so bad last week. You know, they come out and said, "What the hell? We're going to try. We're going to open up the, the the playbook this week." And they did. I mean, they they were they were trying all these trick plays and and you know backwards passes and bombs and whatever else. They were doing everything that they don't normally do. And I don't know if it's chicken or the egg. I don't know if it was because. Because, you know, they, they were able to or if they came out looking to do that. So it's really tough to figure out whether the coaches had a great day and, and really changed things around or if Mike White made the coaches look like geniuses. I, have, I don't know which it is. 
But so, I am I am in agreement with, with you on Salah. I love the way he was jumping and going crazy on that goal line stand. And that goal line stand was tremendous. You know, think about it. Like the defense, the offense, I guess it was, hustled after the guy. Instead of letting him score, they tackled him inside the five on the two or one, whatever it was. And, that was, and then uh, that the was defense our... didn't give up a point. That was huge. And I noticed okay. the same thing. Elijah Moore is the guy who chased him down. And I'm like, way to go, Rook. He chased him down, whether it was the four or the five. You had to appreciate the hustle. The defense cleaned it up, and the just to comp- to walk uh, to walk away without giving up any points was just a huge, huge momentum boost, confidence boost, everything you want. Uh, there is one thing that uh, I want to jump back to as far as the play calling, and uh, disagree with you as pretty much as uh, strongly as we have this season. I read it very differently than you. When those interceptions happened, and the offense went into a very noticeable lull. I actually gave a ton of credit to the offensive coordinator, which I've been busy shitting on this whole year. And that's because the way I took it, and again, when things go positive, uh, looking back at the game, you want to you wanna read it as positive. When things go negative, you want to give it a negative tone. Having won the game, the way I read the situation looking back is he said, Mike White, the pulse is going 300 miles an hour right now. He's making the right reads. But he's just a little over aggressive, a little maybe a little too much emotion. The blood, uh, the blood, the adrenaline. I think he wanted to take the foot off the gas and let him settle into the game a little bit. Because if they come out and he throws a third, fourth interception like Zach Wilson did in the game against the the Patriots, there's no rebounding from that. So I give White all the credit in the world for being so mentally strong to stay with it but the way i looked at it is i gave the offensive coordinator a ton of credit for putting taking his foot off the gas especially when on the first drive he looked like a world beater so just wanted to throw Dude, that out there. are you seriously telling me you, you you went and made that determination in retrospect when you weren't watching it when it happened come on man <laughs> I, that, that's, I, I, it's easy to say that after the fact of course i mean because I, I made all these comments course. yeah i made all these comments even on facebook when guys were like what happened why is he doing this i'm like well it looks like they ran out of the scripted plays and now we're back to normal and then i look oh, like an so idiot that, later right i look like no, an idiot that's a later. totally different yeah. story of course and that's why i wanted to preface it by saying looking back uh that's how i assigned the, the slowdown i didn't know you were talking yeah, about live coverage you- please yeah, you want you started you, you started by saying you disagree with me as strongly as you as you normally do, and I was of like, course right, because I fair enough, because right? I read that as you were summarizing your thoughts after the game, not that that was your live no, as it was happening no. thoughts. No, That's no, why. I was, as so. it was, no, as it was going on, I noticed that the offense had changed, and I'm like, wait a second, they must have ran out of scripted plays, and then things bounced back, and in particular, um, I. I don't remember if it was a two point conversion. I don't think it was, but the Jets were on like the two yard line. And they ran two plays into the they ran two plays into the line, and then you know and then they had him fade back like a full five step drop to fade back on third down and he, and I I don't remember if he got, I don't remember if he got sacked or he threw the ball away whatever the case was I think he got sacked and they had to kick a field goal and I'm like what you've been aggressive this whole game up to this point why now just go into a shell on the two yard line I and, gotcha. and take the All field right, goal gotcha. you know right so no I absolutely said that as we went along no, nothing there are a couple of points that I took away from it after the fact looking back because when you're in when you're in the moment stuff is different and you you look back those are there but but that's not one of them that was that was something that was going on as it was happening but uh rabo as far as the quarterback play i was the loudest voice last week saying the worst thing that can happen is uh mike white has a killer game 
and the Jets fans are going to be all up in arms forgetting about Zach Wilson. Uh, but, I, you know, it, it, everybody thought that, but like, what are the chances of that shit actually happening? And then the game happens. Look at these stats. 37 of 45. He put it up 45 times and only missed the target. Eight of them. Dude. 405 yards, three touchdowns, and two picks. 107 Dude, the, quarterback completions. Two of them were interceptions, and one of them, I don't, I don't know. You saw the highlights, so you saw that ridiculous. And we, we will yeah. get to these freaking, yeah. we will get to the officials because I got a bone to pick with them, even though we, we benefited from one of them. Um, the, the officiating yesterday was atrocious, but that, that, you know, so one of those incompletions was the one to Keelan Cole, which absolutely should have been a touchdown. The ball never touched the ground. You're going to tell me because yeah. it shifted slightly. I mean, whatever. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that in a second and, and, and how, you know, how annoying it is when you know football well enough to, to know what to catch and then something like that happens. And then two minutes later, something else happens. It's the same exact thing and they, they let it happen. Anyway, so, um, uh, so, so yeah, 37 for 45. But see, I am not saying that's the worst thing that could happen i love it i this team the best thing that could happen to this team is having two good quarterbacks that they have to choose between and if at the end of the day zach wilson has to take a seat for the rest of the year i don't give a fuck let him take a seat for the rest of the year and if the absolute best case tom brady situation occurs then mike white turns into something obviously this is never going to happen but if it does then you trade somebody will give up a first or second round pick for zach wilson in the offseason you fucking you, you'll you trade him and you'll be done with it because the, the, he, he hasn't shown he's so bad that a team's not going to take a chance. They will get a Absolutely. first round pick for that guy. Absolutely. But, and yeah. I, I agree with you 100%. But uh, as the game was going on and I was just like, and I was following it and I was seeing the stats and I'm thinking, well, whatever. Even if they win, fine. He has a solid game. But this wasn't a solid game. This was an incredible performance by Mike White. And here I am singing his praises, absolutely daydreaming of us us the cursed jets fans and the before we got on this podcast i just said uh, i know the ex- there's only two ways this plays out we either have uh, i mean there are obvious ways but what are the chances the jets uncovered the next grocery packing arena football playing uh, kurt <laughs> warner and we're dreaming it's there and the reality is we, we probably have another ty- uh, taylor heineke who's going to be a solid nfl backup Will carve out a career right. as a great guy to have, but nothing more than that. Now, you know why I love you, man? Because you're fucking realistic. And not because you, you don't think he's going to turn into something. No, no, that's not why. It's because every other Jet fan on Facebook and anyone else I talk to is is saying he's our Tom Brady. You came up with at least something, you know, something that is, is at least attainable. You come up with a guy who wins one Super Bowl, loses another, and he's a, he's a nice story. But you're going to say he's our Tom Brady simply because, like, he got knocked out of a, like a guy's hurt and he came in and, and did well. Come on, seven Super Bowls. Let's, 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 Let's at least pray the guy doesn't turn into Betty White this week. Don't tell me and, Tom Brady. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. And uh, let's let's not get crazy. Tom Brady did not get cut four times. This is a great story. Uh, I see relevance in Rudy more than Tom Brady. But yeah, let's uh, let's chill. And yeah, Kurt Warner. That's why I was like crazy man. That's a good. That's a good comparison. Kurt is there. That's why I thought of him. Well. Jet fans are kind of like a cross between a vet with PTSD and a, and a dog that hasn't been fed in a month. I mean, they're, they're just like they're crazy and hungry for something. The slightest little thing happens and they freaking go crazy frothing at the mouth. So all day today, yesterday, today, everything, you know, you, you would be absolutely 
astounded at how many Jet fans are talking about Zach Wilson never getting his job back, and this is our Tom Brady, and the Jets finally are turning a corner, and the, you know the, the the luck is going to turn our way. I'm like, are you kidding me? Last week, these same people were talking about how they should fire everybody and and start over because our GM sucks, the coach sucks, and then I it, the ridiculous fucking mood swings is is out of control with Jet fans. It's really this, you know it's insane. It's nuts. And this is exactly what pisses me off about those Jets fans. Not putting a blank statement on all of them. We're not above the, the rational fans who are like us and think and understand the game. So I don't want to put it a blanket statement. But you and I understand the quote-unquote fans that I'm uh, talking about. The, the constant hoppers, like you said, the mood swings. That was the perfect word. Um, I'm sorry, but I just... <sighs> Come up with something reasonable. Like, wow, great game. Gives us hope. Let's see what the kids got. Can't wait to see him play next week. Is this is this a one-week wonder or is it something real? So potential. Can't wait to see him again. Right away, they right. got to go for literally the greatest <laughs> player, greatest player that's ever. ever put on shoulder pads. <laughs> I, know. I know. Well... Here, here's here's realistic, okay? You, we'll go with your realistic, which is he's probably going to end up just being a, a solid backup. That's great. Let's talk about the the ceiling for realistic. It is not Tom Brady. It is probably not even Kurt Warner. The ceiling for realistic, at least short term, let's talk about that, is if Mike White continues to play well and he's not going 37 for 45 or 400 yards again. Let's 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 slow our rolls here. If Mike White continues to play well and the team continues to respond and look like it has with him, whether they put up 34 points again or not, but at least be competent and and look like an NFL offense. And, you know, all these guys who haven't been doing much seem pumped up and excited and doing this. If he does that, then Zach Wilson should not get his job back initially. I'm not saying that they should sign Mike White long term, but they should stick with him until he doesn't perform well. And then you put Wilson back in there. And if White performs well for the whole season and Zach Wilson has to sit and learn, then so be it. Because no matter what excuses or or whatever options people want to give for why it looked that way yesterday this guy took the exact same team exact same team and had them looking completely different now again i am not saying zach wilson's out the door i am just saying if 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 wilson and the way he's performed up to this point with the same players is not ready for the nfl which is a possibility it's a total possibility then this guy if he can get the team to play well and do what they did yesterday, then you ride him because A, you want to win games, of course, but B, that is how you get the team to develop camaraderie and and gel together is to have them play like they did yesterday. And if Mike White turns into Vanna White or Betty White or, you know, Roddy White next week, then so be it. We had the one game and at least at least we know the one thing we know is that this offense is capable of doing things with 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 a capable quarterback there. And that's Look, and that's huge. It's huge. If if they're winning and he's playing hot, or if they're not winning but they're competitive and he's playing well, you can't bench him because you're a first year head coach who has to look <coughs> at the other whatever it is, fifty three, fifty plus guys in that room. And as much as you want to develop a bond and develop your young quarterback, the fifty three other guys are showing up want to win now, today. Right. And yes. if they feel that Mike White is the and they're on the field. You can't you can't fool them. That's the reality. Like players, they want to win. 
they're busting their asses not for the next year, the year after. They're getting hurt and playing today, now. So they want to be in a position to win. And if they feel it's white, you can't stand in that room, ask him to follow you to battle, and then put Zach Wilson in there. Just now, because he's I'm, a draft pick. Ahead. Right, exactly. Of course. Yeah, just, just because, because right. he was drafted. You can't do it just because he's a draft pick. Um, right. My opinion, again, hindsight now, talking after the fact the game has taken place. I've evaluated everything. My thoughts are as follows. Uh, I think Mike White, with this one performance, earned the following. And I sincerely believe he has earned it. Flacco is not to be mentioned. Flacco is not Please. to play. Flacco <laughs> is not to be discussed. He might as well get a return ticket to Philly. Mike White has earned every rep. Every rep. rep. <laughs> wow. Stumbled on that one. Um, he deserves every rep as long as he's healthy. And as long as Zach Wilson is out, whether it's three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, that is his uh, that is his tape. That is that is it, what he's going to present to the coaches as his case. And if he's playing well on the team, responds. The rest of the season is his. Whether the job is his, whether the quarterback battle is open next offseason, that's to be seen. Or he's going to show that he's just he's too inconsistent. There is promise, but there is absolutely no reason to keep uh, Zach Wilson on the bench. He has earned the right to play himself into or out of being the starting quarterback for the rest of this season. I agree. And and Zach Wilson has not earned the right to automatically get his job back no matter what if you have a quarterback in there who's playing as well as White did yesterday. I mean, this he's got two, possibly three games left to show what he can do. And if he continues to play even remotely like he did yesterday, not offense continues to click, you cannot give the job back to Zach Wilson. As you said, not only in general, but as you said, you can't sit the players down and say, hey, we're going back to the rookie because we drafted him second overall when you got a guy in there who's who's actually performing well and you guys are are kicking everybody's ass. I You can't do that. Now, if the kid continues to play well but is not doing great because listen there's every chance that now that they have film on the guy right that they're that they're not going to let him have 250 yards on dump off passes they're going to take these passes away from him and then he's going to have to go long the only pass he threw long yesterday he overthrew the receiver by 20 yards so maybe he's not accurate long we're going to find that out too because there's no way that every team over the next few weeks is going to continue to let him dump those balls off they are going to take that pass away from him and he's going to have to beat them downfield and if he continues to do that then zach wilson doesn't see the field again this week this year and i'm okay with that because to me it's no it's no there's no question i'd rather have the good quarterback than worry about the draft pick because absolute worst case scenario for zach wilson in our eyes is that the jets spent the second round pick on him he got hurt we got a quarterback who turns into a good guy who turns into our guy and then you know we, we trade zach wilson and we we spent the second round pick to get our franchise quarterback and then we got to pick we got to pick for him anyway you know what i mean that's a worst case scenario i don't think mm-hmm. that's going to happen i think wilson gets his job back this year cuz i don't think white's going to be that great but if he plays well he keeps the job Zach Wilson is not freaking, you know, an established veteran who's just out for a couple of weeks and the guy's doing a great job in his absence. He is a rookie who seemed overwhelmed at, at most times and has not earned any right whatsoever to keep that job. Of all the first round talent that got drafted this year, he has, in my opinion, uh, been the worst. Uh, it, it was between him and the Bears quarterback, but that dude is picking it up. Uh, nobody has looked worse than... Uh, 
Zach Wilson. That's just the reality. That's our cursed franchise. He has looked like a rookie who was thrown into the deep end and never took a swimming lesson in his life, and it showed. Um, as far as White, yeah, uh, we discussed that. I'm in complete agreement with everything you said across the board. Um, reality is there's no hiding in the NFL. You can explode onto the scene. You can sustain it for a couple of weeks. But now the defensive coordinators, the defensive players, there's going to be tape on the guy. And like you said, even if it's just one week, well, let's take everything that worked, everything, everything where he appears comfortable Let's take it away this week. Let's see, see if, if he can do it. Yeah. Let's see if he yeah. looks as good when he's turned, when his B option basically pretty much is forced to be his A option. And we're going to find that within four weeks, if it's not going to be blatantly obvious, it sure as hell going to be pretty obvious if we uncover the next quote-unquote Tom Brady or if we have a guy who is a Fitzpatrick, a guy who will survive in the NFL, will make spot starts, will win a few games, but he's never going to carry a franchise. And maybe he's a long-term backup, you know. Well, you know that brings up one of the points I wanted to make. I'll get to as soon as I say this, but maybe he turns into our backup. You know, maybe he's he's Pat Ryan. I don't know if you're old enough to remember Pat Ryan when when uh, yeah, Pat Ryan was was the backup to Richard Todd in the '80s, and I think he backed up Ken O'Brien too. And he was he was capable. He wasn't great, but you know there was I I, I think it was '86 when O'Brien got hurt and Ryan actually. Let you know, led them to the playoffs, and you know, and did well. He, he was never going to be a star, but he he was a, a solid backup who who wouldn't hurt the team. You know, um, certainly not Fitzpat. He, he probably wasn't as good as certainly wasn't as good as Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick at Fitzpatrick's high points, but he was way better than Fitzpatrick when you know Fitzpatrick would fall apart. But um, and I'm okay with I that. I just want to yeah. say that I'm, yeah. I'm very yeah. much okay with that. If if you identify that and we have a young solid backup who can make a spot start who can come into a game and not be completely overwhelmed and have the deer in the headlights look i'm okay with that right and if you can build a team that is you know think of the 99 jets when testaverde went down if the jets had a good solid backup quarterback they might have actually you know i mean they made it to nine and eight and eight anyway right i mean who knows it was one and seven and then seven and one yeah i remember that season very well yeah, it was devastating. But see the thing. See, here's the thing: the Jets, the Jet fans, scream and scream about about a, about a um, you know a, having a um, a veteran quarterback there behind Zach Wilson. And it turns out that you might have had one there the whole time, which is why the the trade for Flacco makes even less sense. And I, I said last week, I thought it seemed like a panic move, and I think I think it's a I think it was a panic move. They ended up giving a sixth round pick, and who cares? I don't care about the sixth round pick at all. It, they, they very rarely turn into anything. The Jets are so stacked on draft picks that it doesn't matter. But it's the it's the principle of it in that this guy seemed to panic, go out and get a guy that doesn't even fit the offense. When you had not only did you have White there, who obviously had enough confidence in the keep, but they also had Josh Johnson, which I thought Josh Johnson was a nobody. He's been in the league for 14 years right? he's he's been with 13 teams obviously he's never going to be anything but there's your veteran there's your veteran guy he's yep. been on the practice squad there's your guy who who could who could tell anybody even mike white has been in the league four years they apparently have guys there who could you know talk a, a rookie off the ledge if they needed if they needed that and beautiful beautiful yeah and and they went out and got flacco anyway which to me it sound i it seemed like a panic move last week it's out of character for douglas and it seems like even more like one now but 
it is what it is. And let's hope Mike White, you know, we can hope for the best. You know, my father always said, aim for the stars because you fall into a cloud if you don't make it, you know. So I think that's what we do. We say, hey, maybe this guy will turn into a a, a stud quarterback and we've got something. But at worst, we at least have a backup. He's only 26. He could be our backup for 10 years, you know, and and at least we have that solid backup. And that's hopefully our worst case scenario. Um, there was, um, what was it here? Play call. Oh, so, so as I was making my notes, I, uh, I said that the play calling is still suspect, you know, and they, they ran an end around on, um, with more with two minutes left. And then they, uh, oh, this is, this is late in the game. Yeah. The Jets, um, no, was that late in the game? Um, yes, that was late in the game. I mean, some of these play calls were, were terrible. Well, I guess we'll get to the late game ones. I'll get back to that one in a second, but there was something, there was a, oh, the kicker. Let's talk about some of the negative stuff here. The kicker is trash. You know, he, he makes a field goal here and there. He misses extra points. He'll miss a field goal. He missed a field goal yesterday. And, uh, and, and obviously, it's not a big spot. It's really in the game. But, you know, your team gets down there. The offense is playing well. And for you to miss a field goal, I mean, just the Jets have had no luck with kickers. Just get rid of this bum. He's a bum. He's been, get rid of him before he costs you a game. Huh? He's been a momentum killer. Yeah, I he really has. He's been a momentum killer for sure. Yeah, terrible. What other note that I make here? Um, I was annoyed about the interceptions being deflected. Oh, the announcers talked about scripted plays. Um, you know, they, they it, it, it seems to be the opposite of Zach Wilson. I mean, he he Wilson doesn't do well with the scripted plays, but he did very well at times later in the game when it's not as structured. He seems to do well when he goes off when he goes you know kind of off the reservation a little. And at the time, it seemed to me that Mike White was the opposite. He did amazingly when he had. Uh, when he had the scripted plays, but then at, you know, a, later, a little later in the game, he didn't do as well. And then obviously that turned around. So it's kind of, it's kind of, um, uh, you know, a moot point. Now, the other thing I noticed was late in the game, the Jet fans were going crazy, but in the middle of the game, when the Jets went into that lull and, you know, and, and Cincinnati took a lead, it sounded like a baseball game in July. You know, you, you know, you watch a baseball game, you can hear everything. You yep. can hear the umpire call, you know, call a strike. You could hear the, you can hear like a bat hit the ball. You can hear, and then you get to play off baseball. You can't hear anything but the crowd. The, the, the jet game. The, I, I can't even say I blame the fans. They're so damaged. The, the, on, give us a reason to stand up and be loud. And it was yeah. the same thing when I was at the Tennessee game. Like uh, the fans only got excited on third downs. Uh, only to be shut down because Tennessee would convert every third and 26. And uh, <laughs> if the Jets were scoring, and then in the fourth quarter when it was actually a close game, uh, everybody got into it. But other than that, yeah, we, we could hear Isn't the it? signals on the field. You could hear everything. And that's my problem with Jet fans. I mean, we, we have a great fan base in a general sense. The stadium crowd is the worst in the league. And, and you know, I've been to 20 four stadiums jet jet crowd at the stadium is the worst in the league the jets have priced out their real fans first they moved they moved from queens to to jersey which took some of the fans away but a lot of those fans made the trip then they they did the psls in a new stadium and and pushed a lot of them out and now it's a bunch of empty seats and and fans of the other team and jet fans only really get excited when something big happens or it's a close game late in the game but in a game where your team is is you know one in five and looked as bad as it did last week to be you know three points down or four points down, whatever they were against against a team like Cincinnati, there's no reason when, when Cincinnati has the ball for, for there to be absolutely no noise and for it to sound like a July baseball game. I'm sorry. That's just inexcusable. Bad job by Jet fans. But I, I've been saying this about Jet fans at the, at the stadium for years. It's just been like that forever. We have no home field advantage. And 
you know, of course, if it's late in the game and the Jets make a, you know, they like yesterday they scored two touchdowns in a few minutes. Yeah, the crowd goes crazy. But don't you don't you want that excitement of 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 screaming and yelling and having the other team not be able to hear the calls? I mean, we've never had that ever. I don't ever remember that since maybe the Shea mm-hmm. Stadium days. Mm-hmm. That's how far back that goes. Um. Oh, I mean, here, here's, here's, you know, I told you there was some negative stuff. Uh, there is no reason whatsoever that Robert Sala did not challenge that, that pass down to the yes. two yard line. Yes. Yes. There is absolutely. no reason. And, and that, that, that almost turned into what, what killed the Jets because, you know, that, like, you know, they went in, the Bengals went in after that. And I forget what the score was at that time, but there is no reason whatsoever for him not to throw that challenge flag. It was, it was, egregious that it was clear that the guy dropped the ball and the ball touched the ground and and he had plenty of time because the Bengals didn't rush to the didn't rush to the line and the announcers were talking about it while they were lining up so there there was no excuse at all that's a bad bad job by Salah not challenging that play I yep. mean, it, it, you just I mean, you I, gave them seven points you know have having coordinators and assistants in the booth and you know somebody's in his ear because those things get worse Again, when it comes to the Jets, I'm afraid to make blanket statements. Those things should be quickly checked and reviewed, and somebody should be in his ear, throw the flag, throw the flag. Dude, you would think if it was me, and I know I didn't just think of this. The NFL is a little little (laughs) smarter than me. You would think that there was a guy assigned just for that who looks at every play as it happens – and we'll, you know, because the coach is not going to sit there and worry about this. There's got to be a guy who looks at plays like that and says, hey, coach, you might want to challenge this one. There's got to be a guy like that. Has to be. And if that's the be. case, then then he's the one I'm going to blame. But there is no reason for the Jets. I, I may not blame Solidan. There is no reason for the New York Jets football team, the green and white guys, or yesterday green, white, and black, not to challenge that play. They would have won that challenge. The ball would have came back, and who knows where the game goes from there. That almost cost them the game. Um. See, okay, Lovely. so now, 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 as I watch the game, my, my my notes skipped all the way towards the end of the game. Okay, so the let, let's talk a little bit about these freaking catches in the end zone. First of all, the Keelan Cole catch. You know, we, we mentioned it a few minutes ago. Why the hell is that considered an incomplete pass when the ball never touched the ground? That was, touching the ground was always the was always the the impetus for whether it was a catch or not. If he got feet down, he had feet down, he rolled. And then when he rolled, the ball shifted a little bit, but it never went anywhere. And they and they ended up overturning that. And, and, you know, and the guy in the replay booth actually agreed with it and said that it's an incomplete pass. I mean, there's there's a difference between thinking it should be this way and understanding why it is. In this case, I don't even understand why it is. I don't know why that's an incomplete pass. Did you understand that at all? I'd like to think that I understood it because uh, the, I think the what was the deciding factor was not the fact that the ball moved, but it completely shifted, meaning he didn't have control of it. Yeah, it's one thing in the control. ball. Yeah, yeah. Yes, and that was the whole thing that the ball bounced out of his grasp almost, like slipping out of his grasp, showed that he did not maintain control versus you hitting the ground and you see the ball shake or shift, but your hands are still clearly on and around it. So that's what I took out of it. It's, it's a bunch of BS where the, BS. The, the verbiage is basically saying, use your discretion. You know, it depends. If the game is close, let it go. If right. it's a blowout. If it's a Jets, if it's a Jets they're not going to get it. Because is there, is there any play at the goal line in the last five years the Jets haven't gotten fucked on these calls? I mean, who, who, who was that big tight end that they had? Um, 
He's had three names, like Austin Simmons something, whatever he was. He, he got screwed twice against the Patriots one time and against the Panthers. I remember. This must have been three years ago. He uh, Austin, what the hell was his name? Austin Safarian Jenkins? Yes. Yes, that's him. He got screwed on those plays twice, twice like that. Do you remember the one against the Patriots where he like he, – he, he, he like bobbled the ball, but the ball landed back in his hands. And what I forget what it was. It was all bullshit. And I, I always go back to the Des Bryant catch in the playoffs. Like, you know, like oh, we all, and, and Calvin was, Johnson. That was always, the one that broke my back. The Calvin yeah, Johnson. We one. always knew what a catch was, but, and, and it was always predicated by getting two feet down and then, and then, or ball not touching the ground. And in this case, this guy rolled, you know, he 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 landed on his and even the announcer called it a cheek. He landed on his cheek. He got his he got a leg in, an elbow, then rolled. And as he rolled, the ball shifted, and you know, then he gained control of it again. But he was out of bounds at that point, and that's an incomplete pass. That makes no sense. The ball never touched the ground, and he had he had possession of it until he, you know, if you can cross the goal line and touch it with the nose of the ball. Correct. Why can't, why can't once you maintain it, land on the ground and then roll? Why can't you? Why isn't that a touchdown automatically? And that's no where, sense. that's where I agree with your argument. If he maintained control of it while in a field of play, and then completely discombobulated, dropped it while out of the field of play, I do not care. In a field of play, he maintained. It's like in a basketball. If I'm dribbling the ball and when I'm one of the five guys on the floor, that's okay. But if I'm one of the subs. And the ref sees me just walking with the ball without dribbling it. He's not calling a travel on me. So whatever happens in a field of play is recognized. It's exactly the, the perfect example you said is if the nose of the football crosses that line and then the ball is smacked out of your hands on those quarterback sneaks when the quarterback extends the, uh, the ball, if the fumble doesn't occur before the nose of the ball crosses the end zone, it's a touchdown. I don't care that you didn't control, uh, maintain control right. of it for seven seconds afterwards. That's so, so the, I love your argument on this. It, it, it actually makes sense, which is I'm not used to hearing from you, but it makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah, but it's not only that. It, it's the, the thing is, is that it, it, you, you can say that, that the, the, the ball crossed the line and you're going to go look at it and slow it down to the slowest possible way to see if the nose of the ball touched. At what point is the play the play? And it's not about, you know, it's not about the one millionth of a second freeze frame thing to say, all right, well, the ball, I, 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 I used to, I loved it before replay when they would make a call because it looked like the guy's knee was down or the guy got into the end zone. And now if the guy's knee touches, touches the ground while he's in the air and the ball hasn't crossed the goal line, it's 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 not a touchdown. But if you watch it in real time, it looks like a touchdown every time. And this is a little bit this is a little bit more of the same. Nobody noticed that ball shift until they look at it on replay. Now they look at every you know for the past few years they've looked at every single scoring play and turnover to 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 try and do it. And I don't I think it's bullshit that they try and nitpick at these little things on a play like that. Okay. If you want to do it, do it on a, on an egregious play where you're not sure. But something like that, that's a freaking touchdown a hundred times out of a hundred in my eyes. I don't see the point in slowing it down to the to the slightest little freeze frame to determine something like that. But 
whatever. The thing that kills me is two plays later, they throw the ball to Berrios, and it's almost the same thing. He didn't roll, but he bobbled the ball after he went out of bounds, but that <laughs> one counted. I don't understand. I don't. I just don't understand. The, the There's ball. no consistency. That's the big thing that, you, that you're saying that I agree with you. It's, it's uh, unfortunately seems prevalent in a lot of sports right now. There's no consistency. You don't know what's what. What's roughing the passer when our rookie quarterback last week got chopped at the knees, and apparently that, that was okay. And then uh, two weeks ago, a defensive end sneezed on Tom Brady and was kicked out of a game. So it's it's, it's touch and go. And uh, I, I wish I had the answer and been like, Robo, this is how I see it. I don't. It's uh, every it's, week is it's a awful. it's a surprise. Uh, let yeah, me ask you one quick question. Outside yeah. of Michael Carter, who I think to both of us will agree, definitely showed out this game and uh, really put his name as a let's let's keep somebody to keep an eye on. Uh, anybody else on offense outside of the obvious Mike White who stood out to you before we do that I, I want to make one more because I don't want to bounce back to officials before okay. we go on to players because there is some stuff I want to talk about that that helmet to helmet hit at the end of the game just just to stay on the brutal terrible officiating uh, did, did you see that play do you know what I'm talking I about did not I did not okay so at the end of the game now this is a play that went in our favor so I can't complain about it but still it what happened was the Jets had third and 11, and they were on their own 20-something yard line, right? And this this was late in the game. If the Jets have to punt, then then we got problems, right? So White throws about a five- or six-yard pass. You know, I guess it was like one of those take the ball, try and make something happen. And what happened was um, it was Ty Johnson, I think it was, turned around to, to run, and he, he, you know, the, the, the defender was going to make a tackle, and Ty Johnson basically dove into him and slammed his head into the guy's helmet. <laughs> And they called helmet to helmet on the defender, <laughs> and you know, fifteen oh, wow. yards automatic first down, and you know the and the announcers were like, "Well, that's helmet to helmet, but who's it going to be on?" And I'm like, "Wow, who's it going to be on?" Usually, it's always a defender. They showed the replay, and you know, the runner ducked and and slammed his head into the guy. It's like he head butted him, and they called helmet to helmet on the defender and basically stole a game from the Bengals. That. You know, when you take into consideration the rules and the intent and everything there, that is one of the top five worst penalty calls I have ever seen. And we've seen a lot of bad calls. This was one of the top, it might even be top three worst calls because because it was so obvious that the defender did not lead with his helmet. You should go check this play out. It's, it's on YouTube because I looked at it today. It is terrible that they, that they yeah, listen, the Jets get slammed on bullshit like that all the time so i can't you know i can't be like oh well you know whatever but that's still you know i will take it it benefited us but to give them a first down late in the game like that and take control out of the hands of the players was just awful i am definitely um, going to check that play out and i don't know if, yeah, go if i'm more astounded by the description of the play by the fact that a play like that went into our favor <laughs> but i'll take it <laughs> I know. Yeah, no. I'm I, the, the the defender absolutely did not leave with his helmet. He was making a tackle at 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 kind of like towards the guy's waist, and the way the play unfolded, you know, the guy ducked to try and you know the 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 runner tr- ducked to try and like like shoulder him and, and ended up basically headbutting him, and they called it on the other guy. All right. So to your point about the offense, who else stood out? Um, I, I I think a lot of guys stood out. I mean, Elijah Moore was more involved than he normally is. Um, you know, like I'm sure you you saw the touch the Ty Johnson touchdown where he danced along the sidelines and, of and got into yeah. the end zone. Yeah, and that one was overturned. That was you know they they originally called him out at the two and and Salah challenged it, 
and they, you know, the Jets won the challenge. It was a thing of beauty the way he he tapped you know, he tapped his toes and, and didn't go out. Um, I don't think there were any other big standouts, but um, you know, but you know, Carter obviously, Carter and White being the huge ones, uh, more to to a degree, and of course Crowder is always involved in there. But other than that, they, I didn't think there was anyone. This guy spread the ball around so much. He, had, you know, I think he had ten different receivers or something that he that he had. I have to take a look and see. But I, I didn't think there were any other standout. He seemed to spread the ball around completely to several different guys. But the two, the two, you know, the two big guys that he that he got the ball to didn't really did a lot of the work. So um, I'm gonna go. Look and I also I again. agree with you. There was no other like super super performance. But uh, like you, I I wanted to give a shout out to Elijah Moore. That was a nice little performance. Six catches for 67 yards. He at least made his name heard during the game so that was a good uh move in the right direction hopefully for him yeah white hit 10 different guys he had uh two two, two running backs had 14 catches between them he had crowder was eight for 84 Moore was six for 67 and then you had a bunch of guys with two three and one so he hit 10 different receivers and um, you know, he dinked and dunked a lot, which is fine. If they're going to take away the long pass, then then absolutely take that. The other thing I take away from White, one of the things um, that, you know, I we as Jet fans, you want to talk about PSTD. PSTD. Yeah, P- PTSD. PTSD. I'm sorry. You want to talk about PTSD. I, I am conditioned to flinch every time Jet a, a quarterback on the Jets throws a tight pass into coverage and expect an interception or to, to be batted down. This guy threw 20 balls into tight coverage and 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 I would be flinching, wait for the interception and, and it was caught by the Jets. So this tells me that the guy's throwing to a spot, his receivers are there, he's he's threading the needle and and that was such a change from what we're used to with Jets quarterbacks over the past few years where they wait for guys to get open or they, you know, make a bad throw and those throws are 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 batted down or whatever. But so many of his throws were just like so on the money, even with a defender on the guy that it was it was something that I'm not used to seeing at all. It was a beautiful thing. I completely agree, especially with the early picks uh, in the first quarter. The fact that the rest of the game went off that smooth. I think there was one throw that he made that uh, we kind of got away with one. But overall, I was waiting for it. And every time it kept finding the right set of hands. <laughs> Absolutely. It was crazy. Um, uh, two... I can't wait. Oh, go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. I, I was going to say this. Two, um, I, other than some of the bones I've already picked about play calling, there were two... I wouldn't say it was necessarily the play call itself as much as the, the um, you know, the player did not seem to be coached well enough to, um, you know, to, well, actually one of them was the player. Uh, I, it just seemed like those things I always talk about, like the Jets having like football smarts and, and not being aware of game situations. Both of them were late in the game. The, you know, this was a, this was more of a play call. Number one was a couple of minutes left in the game. And uh, Elijah Moore is, goes on an end around, right? And then, and then he runs, you know, he ended up, he ended up, uh, you know, running out of bounds and whatever the case was. But I don't understand why that is the one time right there. There's two, oh, five left. Bengals have three timeouts, timeouts left. That's the one time you don't get cute. You run the ball into the line and let them either take a timeout or get it to the two minute warning instead of giving them an extra timeout and an extra down like that. That made no sense. And that, and that annoyed me a little. It ended up not mattering, but it's an annoying thing. Then, after the two-minute warning, they hand the ball to Michael Carter, who um, gets around. He's about a yard short of the first down, and there's a defender there. He would have got the first down without a doubt, but in, you know, to his credit, he he kind of 
he kind of just like folded up so that he can get tackled and not stop the clock. But he didn't get the first down. It ended up being third, third down, and the Jets got the first down anyway, but that's not the point. The point is, is he should have fought for that extra yard and then got tackled. That way, you have the first down, and the clock keeps running. You know, it didn't make sense not to not to push for the extra yard. I like the fact that he was conscious enough of the of the clock to know it needed to keep running, but you, you got to be also be aware of where you are on the field. That could that could cost your team if it's third down and they don't make it, as opposed to first down and now you pretty much the game's over. You know what I mean? It, so those were the two, the two takeaways. Yeah. It absolutely could cost you, but this is the price of young guys who don't have wins under their belts learning on a job. Yeah. That's true. Learning to close out a game is very, very hard, especially in the NFL where the team is going to keep clawing until the end. A team like the Bengals who are fighting for the playoffs, home field advantage, whatever that may be, closing out a game is not easy. That's why this was all valuable experience. When you win, when you lose and you blow it, it just becomes another dark cloud that you can't get out of. We managed to turn this one into a valuable experience, in my opinion. I I hope so, because... You, you can have experience in some ways, but having the awareness of a game situation is is something that you actually have to. And I guess you're right. When the game slows down enough, you don't go to the huddle and say, OK, 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 OK. You'll actually say, all right, it'll come second, become second nature. All right. Well, there's third is second down. It's third down, whatever it is. I need to do this and I need to keep the clock running. And I guess, you know, when it slows down for you a little bit, that will um, that will kind of, you know, resolve itself i would imagine but you're right the jets have not been in that situation enough to be concerned about it so okay i I guess i I will take that one back but it's still a little bit annoying that they twice (laughs) made stupid plays that could have cost them the game you know the end around didn't bother me as much as far as the play call the end around i can see was a mess because you have a young head coach who probably didn't tell uh the quarterback to relate, hey, tell the rook to stay in bounds, uh, slide if he has to. You have a quarterback who's making his first career start. This is, we're not talking about a Tom Brady who's going to say, rook, just make sure you cut it inside, stay out of bounds. And you have a rookie trying to run out the game, inching and clawing for every last yard, not realizing that it's more important to keep the clock running. So it was just a little bit of a clusterfuck of inexperience, in my opinion. And that's all I got to throw on that. I cannot wait to go over our predictions. I think you were really close with Mike White. I don't remember how we did on the other calls. <laughs> yeah, I I want to uh, I want to thank Mike White for listening to the podcast and getting <laughs> getting uh, getting motivated by my, by my oh, thing. But uh, Rob, I'm sorry. Before we do yeah, the yeah. live stats, um, funny thing. Uh, just a random article came out today. A gentleman in New Jersey was. He, he was lives out of state, was visiting his mom, and because he was in New Jersey where gambling is legal, he placed a $1,000 wager where the payout is 125 to 1, and he bet that Mike White was going to be the, well, because it was Mike White, that was the high payout, uh, that he was going to lead the league this week in passing yards. And with the Monday oh, wow. night game now officially over, he hit on a monster payout wow that's that's awesome so <laughs> when you were talking about that? like that <laughs> he said he was visiting his mom in new jersey and he was going to the game with his friends so he's like uh, i figured for a thousand bucks let me cheer on mike white and make it more enjoyable so i got a great kick out of that little story and wanted to share that it awesome. i would not have done that myself but hey you know good for him that's awesome okay I, I was very close. I, I, I can't believe I almost hit it. I had Mike White at nine for twenty-three with eighty-seven yards, no touchdowns, and three interceptions. 
<laughs> you were yeah. right there. I was <laughs> so close. If only he didn't, you know, complete those other 42 passes. Uh, you you had White at 15 for 29 at 195, one touchdown, two interceptions. Also not close, but worlds, worlds closer than I was. Um, I my offense. Like I'm here cracking <laughs> up like I predicted for him to throw for 350 and three touchdowns. <laughs> I know, yeah, like, yeah. I, and the funny thing was, in the first quarter, he had nine completions out of nine attempts, and I was like, "Well, he's going to have to basically shit the bed and not complete another one for me to be right." But, but uh, you know, I, I'm glad to be wrong sometimes. That's one of them. All right, That's so my true. MVP was Michael Carter, which uh, I I had the MVP right, I had the touchdowns right, and I came close on the carries, but the rest of it, I was uh, I I underestimated him badly. I said Michael Carter would have 17 carries for 39 yards, a touchdown with three catches for 32 yards. I way underestimated the catches, and uh, I didn't give him enough credit on the runs either. So I'll say this. Basing our prediction on how we and any reasonable person thought how the game was going to play out, I'm going to ring the bell of correctness and say, ding, 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 you nailed it. Uh, he outshone the stats we, we thought he was going to have under the circumstances, but you called it. Uh, you, you said he was going to be the shining light and again obviously mike white stole, stole a lot of that thunder but uh, i just want to give you a shout out to michael carter good call thank you you had jameson crowder at four for 45 with a touchdown um obviously you, you underestimated him he didn't score but you did have you know he was definitely the receiver that that had the most he had eight for what was it eight for 84 so yep. um you can never go wrong with crowder uh, n- none of us were remotely close with the best worst and uh real so it doesn't even yeah. matter we, <laughs> we both our, our our best case was them losing by two scores and our oh worst case Lord. was them losing by five scores so you know hey whatever there are times Glad when to i really be wrong. Don't want to be wrong right exactly and uh you know yesterday i started out the day not giving a shit and then by the fourth quarter when they were coming back i was freaking cheering for them so how know, good did it feel mac fourth quarter and i'm i'm just my palms are sweaty like it's this playoff spot on the line but i'm like we scored 30 plus points we're playing against a good team this is what a football sunday is supposed to feel like i know i forgot what it was like and and you know we thought that about the titans titans and this wasn't the same as the titans for me because the titans was the first time in who knows how long i actually had that excitement but this was this was the one that was consistent and they actually were in the game the whole time against a good team and you know even though they got down 11 in the fourth quarter and there was a part of me that was like all right well you know it was fun while it lasted i just felt like they were they were in the game the whole time and that that was it was a great feeling it was it was a really nice feeling to have um loved it loved it loved it ready for more football this thursday night which means yes, i will probably <laughs> be talking to you either tomorrow or wednesday night and whenever it happens i am looking forward to it me too i just want to see if there's anything else i did not touch on that i wanted to mention because there was a lot of shit um we challenge we talked about that you know we talked about that um Yep, well, Rob is reviewing his notes. I'm looking up the Jets' schedule. I believe they have the Indianapolis <laughs> Colts, and this is going to be a tough one to predict. I think I have to be reasonable and predict the Colts pulling it out, although Carson Wentz has been playing like shit. But the Jets, if the Jets are the Jets, and I have no reason to believe otherwise, we're in for a big letdown after a pick-me-up like the win against the Bengals. Okay. Well, I mean, it sounds like you're falling into the usual jet trap. I'm not sure what I'm going to do yet, but we'll see uh, when we do the show. The other, the one other thing, we, we did touch on this, and I want to get your actual opinion on it instead of just saying it. 
did the Jets simplify the game plan or did White execute it properly? If you had to guess, gun to your head, you know, sit down if you have to take a second to really think it out. Do you think they went in there with a simpler game plan and got smart about it? Or do you think they went in with a similar game plan? Take outside, obviously taking 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 away the, the trick plays. That's obviously something. Don't I think I understand your question. Yeah. Which way do you go? I'll answer it very simply, and I will take a very black and white approach to this. I 100% unequivocally believe they did not simplify or dumb down the game plan. And they simply could not. I think on the contrary, they came out. Uh, I give him credit, him being Mike White, for taking the right dump-offs, taking what the defense was giving him. The first, uh, the first drive was a success. But even if you wanted to dumb it down, the Jets were losing, but close enough to be in a game where you couldn't just uh, be conservative and lose the game. The game was there to be had. So you you almost had to be possibly even more aggressive than you were hoping to be. So to me, I have a very, um, very definitive stance on this. I think it was uh, nothing about the game plan was dumbed down or simplified. Uh, the team delivered, the quarterback delivered, everything clicked. I agree completely. I I believe that they kept a very similar game plan and in fact probably opened it up a little bit more and he was able to execute it, whereas Zach Wilson has not been able to. I think Wilson is a long way from being able to, you know, kind of um you know, be not so much a pocket passer, but like a game plan guy. I think I think he's got a lot of Favre and, and Aaron Rodgers in him where he tries to make things happen. And I think he's a long way from having the experience to be able to do that. So I think, you know, if if the players around White did not look as good as they did, then I would think maybe that the game plan was changed. But this was clearly a quarterback who was prepared, he was ready, and he was smart. He he took the he took the check down more often than not. He was he was confident, and he seems like you know I, I heard all kinds of things about him being a leader in the locker room, and the players loved them. And one I forget which guy it is on the team last week said Mike White, man, that guy's a stud. Like I don't know if he was joking a lot, but he apparently has the respect of the players. So clearly, this was not a I'm not going to say it's not a fluke. It could be a fluke, but it wasn't that he you know they changed the game plan and done it down from i think he executed the game plan properly something we never see with the jets is a game plan that they actually utilize correctly and and you know attack the other team's weaknesses and i think the jets did that masterfully yesterday so and uh, and uh, good for mike white you know i think other players recognize that his kind of uh, the trials and tribulations and the fact that he's here he's put himself in this position through nothing more than perseverance and hard work and I think elite athletes recognize that and uh, they value it. And good for him. I love hearing that he has the respect of the guys and uh, they're willing to let him lead. The last thing that I want to add to your point before we shut it down is I'm not even going to use Tom Brady, an all-time great, as a comparison. Let's take somebody who is a solid NFL starter for a long time, like a Matt Ryan. If this was him who got injured and uh, Mike White steps in, I can get... I, I can go along with an argument of, yeah, yeah, absolutely. They had to simplify the game plan. We went from a guy who's seen it all, knows it all, to a first-time starter. Zach Wilson, a rookie with the four, five, six career starts, most of them losses, who looked a little bit overmatched. I don't think there's a game plan to dumb down. You go with what you have and you know, business as usual. Agreed. All right, buddy. That's it. We will, um, this is an hour, one of our longest ones. We will uh, touch base 
one, one ah, sometime over the next day or two. Um, I, Thursday night's the game, so it's got to be tomorrow or Wednesday. Uh, we'll chat, figure out which night it is, and then uh, we'll talk. Always a pleasure. Have a good night. Have a good night.